Hello, I'm Sarah Hall, Watch Commander at Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. Welcome to the Women in the Fire Service podcast, a show for those who champion equality and diversity in fire. Did you know only 7% of all firefighters in England are women, or that less than 5% are from an ethnic minority? In our first ever podcast series, we give advice and encouragement to people of all genders considering careers in the fire service. Volunteer hosts like myself, firefighters and other fire experts talk about our experiences and answer all your burning questions. Want to know the difference between a watch manager, fire control and a firefighter? Well, that's just what we're going to help you with in this episode. We take a look at the many different career opportunities and how every role is an important part to play in protecting communities. Be inspired, be a future firefighter. So hi everyone, so my name's Tor. Um, I am a watch manager in Hampshire and the Isle of Wight Fire and Rescue Service. Um, so just a bit about back, background about myself. I've been in for about 13 and a half years. I did 10 years um, ops as a firefighter. And then I did two and a half years ops as a crew manager on a watch. I've been a watch manager for the last just over a year now. I did operational for about six months and I'm now working for fire safety, um, which is one of the areas, the different roles in the fire rescue service that we're going to chat about. I'm going to play you a video first. So without further ado, here we go. My name is Tor Strouger and I'm a Fire Safety Inspector, Watch Manager and Women's Network Group Chair. I'm pretty busy. I joined the Fire Service 13 years ago. Um, I was operational as a firefighter, uh, crew manager and watch manager. And for the last eight months, I've been working in fire protection, which is also known as fire safety. When people think of the fire service, they think of firefighters to operational fire crews which is obviously a massive part of what we do and it's really important. But protection and prevention are such massive um, sections within the fire service and protection, which is fire safety where I work, is such an important part and ultimately we're keeping buildings safer for the public but also for firefighters. So if you think about it, protection always comes first. So we're making sure those, those buildings are as safe as possible to prevent a fire from starting and if it does start, to make sure that people can get out safely. So I set up visits with um, different properties, commercial and residential. Um, I then attend, go for a walk around the whole of the premises just to make sure that it's compliant. So for example, I'm checking, um, is the right fire alarm system in place? Do they have the right emergency lighting? Are all the extinguishers in the right place and the right ones for the job? Um, just to make sure that they are safe. If there was a fire in that property, they were safe and people could get out. If the property isn't compliant, then we can look to um, enforce and prosecute. And the sort of ultimate that we can do is to prohibit the use of the premises. So for example, if someone's sleeping somewhere and there's no fire alarm, so it's not safe, we can put a prohibition immediately in place that stops that premises from being allowed as sleeping. On top of that, I'm also a watch manager. So I still have my operational role to keep on top of. So I everything that you would imagine a firefighter would do, I still do that. So I have to keep on top of my breathing apparatus training, all my ladder drills, pump drills, um, all of my driving. 
So one week I can literally be on a Monday doing live fire training, on the Tuesday um, I can then be going in and auditing premises and potentially prohibiting um, and on top of all of that I'm also the chair for our women's network. So I have a really varied job which is one of the reasons why I love what I do because one day I can be doing one thing and then the next day I can be doing something completely different and it's always changing so I absolutely love it. So that was me. So like I said, I'm in fire safety now. So I've been working in the department for about eight months. And just to give you guys an idea of what it's about. So and obviously you've got to be aware that each fire rescue service throughout the country, they're all slightly different. So this is a bit of a general idea of what fire safety is and what we all do. But we've all there's all national guidelines that we all have to stick to. So it won't be, um, won't be too much different between all the different services. But our job role ultimately is to keep buildings safe. So it is um, any or any and all buildings. We don't go into pr uh, private houses. So we can't go into people's houses or flats or anything like that. But anything commercial, um, shops, offices, restaurants, um, and then communal areas. So for example, in a big block of flats, we can go into all the communal areas. And we're looking for all their fire safety. So fire alarms, fire extinguishers, et cetera. Our ultimate job is just to make sure that people are safe in case of fire, make sure that people can get out, make sure that no one's going to get stuck in there. And then we have a couple of tools in our arsenal. So the main thing we'll do is work with the person who owns that building to try and keep it as safe as possible. So if we go in and they don't have a fire alarm and they should, we'll obviously tell them that. We'll then work with them to find um, somebody that can help them get that fire alarm put in place. If they refuse to do it or they can't do it, then we've got, we can enforce so we can make them do it. We've all got warrants, um, so we're all warranted. And then um, we can ultimately prosecute as well. So if they're not doing what they should do, we can prosecute. And there's quite all pharmacy services prosecute throughout the country. There's quite a lot of them um, ongoing. We've just had a recent success within Hampshire. And we can also prohibit, which means that if, so for example, I went to a building recently and someone was sleeping um, in the area. There was no fire alarm. There was no emergency exit. So had there, had there been a fire in that premises and there was a big commercial kitchen, so there's quite likely there could have been one, this person couldn't have got out um, of the building at all. So we prohibited immediately like, the use of that building for sleeping. Um, so we had to call in a manager. They came in and prohibit the use of it immediately. Um, and then we work with the person who owns the building to, um, to make it safer so we can lift the prohibition. So it's a, it's a pretty important job. It's quite a lot of sitting at a desk, I will be really honest, hence where I am right now. This is my office, but I'm out and about every day. So every day I'm going out on audits. Um, we try and do sort of four, four or five a week, which is, doesn't sound like a lot, but it's quite a lot of work for me. And then obviously I have to come back to the office and do all my bits and pieces here. All of us within Hampshire and the Isle of Wight are all watch managers within fire safety, but I'm pretty sure that other um, services around the country, you don't have to be a watch manager. And there's also um, within our service, there's another team. So they do exactly the same job that I do, but they're all, none of them have joined up as firefighters. So they're all, we call them green book staff, but I suppose you could call them civilians. So they've all just, lots of them were admin staff for the fire and rescue service beforehand, or they've just joined straight off the street, seen an advert for fire safety inspectors. They've applied, they've obviously come in and they've done all the same qualifications as I have. And then they do the same job as us as well. So again, you can still do this job without being a firefighter first and foremost. But obviously all of us who are watch managers and have come in from the firefighter route, we all have to keep our watch manager or all our firefight operational skills up to date as well. So I still have to do my pumps, my ladders, all my live fire training, all of my online training, etc. So we've basically got two jobs, one to keep up with all my firefighting skills and one to do my fire safety. And the reason for that is that at any time we can get recalled um, to duty. So 
recent obviously last year with covid i know lots of services did they went to the fire safety departments and they asked all of their fire safety staff to go back on the run because so many people were off sick with covid or there was they were worried that they would so they put all of their fire safety staff back onto the run back on the pumps again so you can be recalled at any moment i love it I love it it's very very different i've just seen a question so i'll sort of answer that as i go along I say, Tom, we've, we have had a question it's about qualifications yeah. and as far as i was aware they're not necessarily qualifications that you have to get before joining the fire service so quite often you will apply and if, and if it's the same kind of process in terms of an application form and applying in an interview uh, and if they think that you have the right kind of qualities to be a fire safety inspector they will then put you through those training courses um, yep. So it depends on what level you're going in at, whether you're already employed by the fire service uh, from the operational side or whether you're coming in um, from a, a non-ops route. Uh, but most, and certainly in Hampshire, all our training is done in-house. Um, yep. So we, we kind of have uh, links with the Fire Safety College um, and we did some training last year, uh, virtual training. Um, I missed out but actually going up to the college again. I was really disappointed because <laughs> it's such a great place to go. Uh, but they did all our training last year virtually uh, and there are different levels within that so i have a level three uh, course which basically is, is the basic one and then tours gone on and done level four yeah so that's qualifications yeah that's right so i didn't have anything obviously coming in and when i was a firefighter and crew manager watch manager on the run obviously absolutely nothing and then they just do in-house promotion i'm sorry in-house um advert, adverts to say do you want to be a fire safety inspector so i put myself forward um, and then I trained with, so there are about eight of us that trained, probably 10 of us, five of us, half of us were um, operational. So we'd all been firefighters and the other five had been office staff um, or had been sort of come straight in as a civilian. Again, with no qualifications like Amy said, and we all trained together. So we've all got our level threes, our level fours, and we're now getting our diplomas as well. And these are all qualifications that you can get outside. So all of ours have been done through the fire service college, through Morton in the Marsh, all virtual, obviously, because of COVID. However, a friend of mine is doing exactly the same qualifications I am, but he's paid, um, he's paid himself for himself to do it. So he's paying thousands of pounds and I'm getting this training for free which is fantastic. So the Fire Service College has seen a question. It's not in it. So Eastleigh is Hampshire and the Isle of Wight's headquarters. And the Fire Service College is based in Morton in the Marsh in Gloucestershire. Um, and that's kind of the main college for the fire rescue service or all the fire rescue services within England. And you don't, you probably very rarely go there if ever. Um, it's just that they run courses and your, your certain services can send you on a course to Morton or obviously currently they're all virtual. And they're probably remain a lot of them will remain virtual now because they're working pretty well that way. So just conscious of time, have we got any more questions about fire safety or we can come back to it if we haven't got any currently? Awesome. So I'm going to hand over to Amy, who's going to play a short video about control, fire control, and then she will do a bit of talking about fire control. Okay. I'm Robin Richardson and I am a watch manager in fire control for the fire service. I got made redundant from the ambulance service and um, I was just looking through the paper one day and saw the job for, for fire control um, and applied and just thought it would be a temporary thing um, but I really really enjoyed doing it. I'm a watch manager in fire control so that means kind of overseeing all the operations that go on in the control room day to day. Whatever 999 call comes in it could be um, a road traffic collision, it could be a fire, it could be a terrorist incident, it's just different all the time. Um, 
which is really exciting. You never know kind of what you're going to get. And my job is to monitor those calls and decide if we're going to send um, an appliance or what we're going to send and how much we're going to send. I think, you know, working on a station, being a firefighter on a station, you deal with your incidents, you're sent to an incident, you go, you deal with it. In control, you have that whole overview of the whole of Hampshire and the Isle of Wight and everything that is going on. So there's always stuff going on. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, every day is different. And uh, yeah, it's a fantastic career. I spend more time on my watch than I do you know, with my with my own family, and you just have that real bond that I don't think you have in any other job. Um, you just go through things together. You go through traumatic incidents. You go through those kind of highs and those lows, and you have to support each other. Um, and it, yeah, it's just a wonderful place to work. The caller on the end of the line is having their worst day ever. Um, and you're in a position where you can help them um, or save their life, you know. Um, I remember one of my first calls um, where I had to give fire survival advice to a gentleman who was um, in a wheelchair and he had smoke in his property. Um, he had fire in his kitchen. He was unable to get out. The fire was blocking his only exit. So the only way he would have survived is through me giving him that fire survival advice. So to tell him to go to the room furthest away from the fire, to get near a window. And that time, I think it was, a, it, well, it felt like an eternity that I was talking to him and building up that rapport and asking his name and, you know, talking to him, just trying to take his mind off, you know, this, this traumatic event. Um, until the fire crews arrived and rescued him, but that was, yeah, it was, it was amazing to be able to sort of, you know, know that the advice that I'd given him had saved his life. But it was, we, I think we probably both came out. He was crying, and by the time I came off the phone, you know, I hung up, and then was like, yeah, just tears rolling down my face. Come and spend some time in the control room. Come and see what we do. Get a feel for it. See if it's something that you might like to do. You almost have to develop a third ear for what, el what else is going on in the room and you've got a lot of screens and a lot of things going on and it, yeah it can seem overwhelming but if you come and spend a few hours and, and kind of get to grips with what we do and how we do it um, you'll see that it's a really exciting environment to work in. I'm Robin Richardson and I am a watch manager in fire control for the fire service. Right then, so fire control itself is, is kind of a completely separate entity. So it's very rare that someone will go from an operational background into fire control. Uh, we have had uh, control operators who have wanted to become full-time firefighters and gone the other way. Uh, but it's one of those roles that obviously is advertised as a standalone uh, kind of structure. But they have a very similar structure to that we do on, on station. So you will go in as a firefighter, there's a promotion scheme. So you go through as a crew manager and then a watch manager. Think, as Wadman was saying it's it's so versatile and the time that I've spent up in the control room when you go and visit up there it really is quite an eye-opener because actually as a, as a firefighter or a manager on the fire ground you are dealing with that one incident and your focus is on that one incident but when you get up into control and actually realize how many incidents were going on at the same time and it kind of 
it gives you an awareness of your decision making and your rationale behind asking for different fire appliances and different bits of equipment and more people um, and I don't know whether anyone's ever done an exercise before where you kind of sat with a partner and you have to describe a drawing but they can't see it and they have to draw it well it's a little bit like that because when you're out in the fire ground control don't have any vision of what what you're seeing so you have to be able to describe what you're seeing and to actually kind of give them this real idea around is it a developing incident is it something that you're going to be able to cope with the amount of appliances that have been sent there initially is it really you know a really protracted incident are we going to need relief crews are we going to be there for you know 12 hours is it a batch fire that you're going to be there for a couple of days doing um, and it's really around that communication skill and that understanding that what you say makes a big difference to a person on the end of the phone. So it's, it's learning to, to communicate that and learning to help with our planning. So as a, as a level one on the fire ground, if you're in charge of it, you need to be thinking three, four, five steps ahead. It's not just what am I doing now? It's what do I think I need to be doing in the next hour or the next two hours or the next five hours? And being able to relay that into the control so that they can sort of build a picture because on a fire ground, I might think, well, actually, I need two water carriers, but because our, you know, wherever we are, there isn't a very good water supply, or in the middle of nowhere, and we get bring the water carriers if we can't connect into some hydrants and get the water out of the ground, so that they they come, they literally just dump water into a big dam and then you use that for your kind of fire ground water. But there are only sort of a limited or amount of them in the county so you can ask them but if they're already on another job then control have to kind of work out where they're going who they're prioritizing can we bring someone in from another another county so we work quite a lot cross-border uh, and they will talk to the other other fire services around us and say well actually we need some of these can we mobilize and it's a really really interesting job when you get on there and there's so much going on and she said about a third year and it really is having a bit of an intuition about what's going on around you so as the manager she will be listening in to the call so the call taker will take the call and obviously take all the details of where the appliance is going to what the incident is uh, and then there's like a standard set of, of vehicles that we would send for a particular type of incident but they also have that autonomy that depending on what the caller on the line is saying they can either add to that or take something away from that and as the manager you have to be able to oversee however many incidents are going on at any one time. Um, and it's not just the fire engines or appliances that are going to that job. We kind of, we sort of backfill. So if you've moved two or three or four appliances from one area to an incident, they then have to move appliances from different areas to backfill those kind of spaces so that they can keep a really good coverage over the county. Um, so it's, yeah, really, as far as I'm concerned, really interesting role um, and something that kind of sits really well alongside the operational and then all, our, all of our support staff as well. Have we got any questions around control? There's no questions so far in the chat. Amy's right, control is an awesome part. They, you have, the um, whole time you've got four watches, um, so red, white, green, and blue, and then you have the, exactly the same four watches for control. So um, my last watch, I was on red watch, um, and then obviously you become really, really close to all the staff that work in Redwatch Control because you work the same shifts as them. You, talk, you get to know them by name and you know who they are. And, and when we go to their quarters, we usually take some cakes. Um, but you get a really good bond with them. And they, and Robin was right, like she was saying, I, as a, on the run, you just go to like one call at a time, whereas they can see all of the calls going on. So they, they almost have more it's almost more exciting for them at times because they're constantly they can see everything that's going on in the whole county as opposed to just what we can see which is just the one call that we're going to 
Um, so Amy, there's a, there's a question come in. This person's a CSO in North York's just passed application for control. Oh, she got assessment on Thursday. Any tips or advice? Well, I think it's like any kind of interviewing. What they're looking for is, is people to be really open, really kind of community minded, uh, really have that ability to do two or three things at the same time. Uh, so it, it's, it's that understanding of how to keep calm under pressure. And I think really with any kind of interview, certainly with the fire service at the moment, it is about being able to bring your experience from home. So being able to give them examples of things that you have done when they ask the questions, not just being able to say, well, I'm a really good communicator. It's like, well, how and why and what impact did that have? Yeah, I totally agree. They probably said that in your interview skills, but any kind of interview you get, you have to give an example of it. So, and ideally more than one example. So if it was me, I'd be giving two examples for everything. Um, and they'll probably ask you questions, and don't quote me on this, but they'll probably ask you questions like, you know, when have you dealt with challenging situations? Or, you know, give me an example of a time when you've, yeah, you, you know, you've been in quite a stressful situation. What have you done? So you can sort of say how you did in those situations and give a couple of examples of when you've done that, which I think will all will be good in any interview. Um, so good luck. Good luck for it. I hope you get through. It's an amazing job. So another question. Someone used to do used to do NHS security. One of the most interesting factors was the control room. Sometimes I get talking to whoever was supervising for the day and we could be talking for ages and how technology works and some of the things required when going through CCTV footage, etc. Yeah, 100%. You, you don't really, you just see it as a load of computers. And when I, I've been to control quite a lot to see how they work, and I think you saw in that video, I think Robin had like four screens in front of her. I mean, I can only just cope with one screen. Um, but you, they get used to knowing what's going on in each screen. Um, and like she said, you almost need like that third ear. And I think it, you know, they're not expecting you to be like that the minute you go in. They'll train you up to be like that. And it takes, you know, it takes experience and practice. And because they're a watch, much like a watch on the runner, they're really, really super supportive and everybody in that team will help you get to where you need to be. But it is, it's fascinating. They can see everything. They've got they've got links to other control rooms. They can talk to, like, for example, like I said, I work in Hampshire, so they'll talk to Dorset and Wilkshire. They'll talk to Kent. So they're constantly talking to other control rooms to know what's going on in counties around us so that we know if we need to support them or not. So, yeah, it's definitely not never a dull day if you work in control, that's for sure. So the next one, I'm going to play another video. So this is Lauren and she works in fire investigations. My name is Lauren Webb and I'm an assistant fire investigation officer. So the pager will go off, uh, we'll be notified by control that there is a job for us to go to. Uh, we'll meet at the scene that will normally be with a CSI as well because generally the jobs we attend are considered crime scenes. We photograph the scene along with the CSI and then we'll work through from area of least damage to most damage and try to establish most likely cause and origin for the fire. We do have some fire investigation search dogs that we are able to deploy. The CSIs are quite generalised and don't have the fire investigation skills which is why we'll go out with them and they'll be guided by us, like the fire patterns and everything. But it's still ultimately their scene because it's a crime scene. You're gonna make me squint now. <laughs> I was one of them people when I was little that would watch a lot of CSI on telly. Those kind of TV shows where they made it look very glamorous and they had all the technology. Um, so I went to uh, university and did criminology and forensic studies. Actually, one of the RFIs came and gave a guest lecture on my course with one of the dogs as well. But funnily enough, I didn't actually take the fire investigation module. <laughs> so I ended up working in housing benefit. 
and then I had a friend that had left there and gone to fire and told me there was a job going so I applied and luckily got it and started working in admin. They knew that I had an interest in forensics and that side so they put me in the uh, fire investigation team. I shadowed them and would get more involved probably than an admin person should with their roles but they were all very encouraging. I was a little worried because I've got no fire background like the rest of them but I think my degree certainly helped me there and it's good to have people from different perspectives because we can bring different things to the table. Um, and yeah, so that's where I am now and hopefully we'll progress to a fire investigator one day. I think the best part really is just the fact that every day is different. Um, you never know what you're going to with a job. Um, it's always uh, a good challenge, you know, it's like, it really gets you thinking um, a lot of the jobs, just trying to figure out what, what the cause is. So it's great getting out and about, um, meeting members of the public. I mean, sometimes you're meeting them on the worst day of their life. Um, so it's good that you can be there for, for them and support them where you can. My name is Lauren Webb and I'm an Assistant Fire Investigation Officer. That's Lauren. So just to sort of recap, I'm sure, I know she made it quite clear, but so she's never been a firefighter. So she's what we call Green Book, which is, like I said before, they're not, they've never been firefighters, not operational um, at all. And um, she wanted to be a CSI when she was at university. And like she said, she wasn't really interested in the fire side of it. Joined as admin and then now she's the assistant fire investigation um, officer and hoping to obviously become a fire investigation officer. So there are loads of ro roads and routes into the fire service that don't involve you joining up as a firefighter. Don't get me wrong, I'm a firefighter, I absolutely love it. I love my job, but there's so many other bits that you can do that um, are equally as fun. And I've always been really interested in fire investigation It's something that um, I think is brilliant. So we on ops crews get involved quite a bit as well. So we're given some really basic training on what to do at a call. So for example, if you um, go to a fire, we, we're told to what to look at, what might be suspicious. So people acting suspiciously, or for example, if there's multiple seats of fire. So that means that there's more than one, you might be far in the kitchen, far in the living room, far in the bedroom. Fires don't randomly start like that. So that's sort of an indicator that probably a human has had some kind of intervention. Or there's anything that we think might be slightly suspicious. We have to be really a bit more respectful of the scene. Obviously, our first, the first thing you want to do as a firefighter is put the fire out and save life. That's the most important. But then obviously, then um, pres preservation of the scene. So remembering what you've seen, um, try not to um, just stamp on everything with your big firefighter boots, but just be a little bit more respectful. And then you can call fire investigation in. Um, and our fire investigation team, like she said, work really closely with the police. Because um, obviously, it becomes a crime scene, but they will, um, they're there as sort of the lead service, but they'll use our fire investigators um, to do the actual fire investigation side of it because they're the specialists. Some services, not all, have got fire dogs. We do down in Hampshire, um, but not all services do, but they do, um, all services will use fire dogs. So they might call on other services. So for example, um, it, at one point West Sussex didn't have any of their own dogs. And if they needed dogs, they'd call on our dogs to go into their county and to go and do investigation. And our dogs are trained um, to smell accelerants. So a bit like you see like drugs dogs in airports, et cetera, is trained to smell dogs trying to smell drugs at a fire scene they will set the dogs they'll put their little they have these little boots they put on to protect their feet because obviously it's hot and there's loads of broken glass as soon as they put the boots on the dogs know they're at work they'll then put them into the scene 
and they can smell if there's any petrol or anything that fuel that might have been laid down um, that will obviously lead the investigators to think that potentially there's arson involved um, and the dogs can smell that and can indicate on that and we have some really I've seen it um, at quite a few scenes for real fire dogs are absolutely amazing I don't know how they train them but they are absolutely insane and they um, also our investigators work with the police they can take CCTV all of our, our fire appliances have got CCTV so they can take CCTV off um, they can get downloads of 999 calls and um, to work with the police so anything they can do and ultimately it's um, looking towards finding out what's happened finding out who's done it if it is deliberate and um, then we can go down the prosecution route as well so I know that our teams go down the prosecution route and we have had actually I've been to a fire I was telling Amy before and there were multiple seats of fire and actually the guy was there um, admitted that he'd done it was obviously arrested our fire investigation team went in and did their bits and pieces and we had a positive prosecution for that and he was put in prison for obvious reasons for endangering people's lives but um so it's, a, it's an amazing job i've done quite a bit of training with the fire dogs they are absolutely probably tell i love them <laughs> they are brilliant and just the fire investigation team in general it's a really and it's made up of obviously you've got firefighters so got some watch managers that uh, go into that um, department but like I said you've also got sort of the green book civilian staff that have never been firefighters doing exactly the same job role same as with fire safety you've just gone on a different route and you've just got a different background but you're still trained up um, in the same way and they are trained I don't can't tell you what their qualifications are but they're all trained up and given certain qualifications as well um, and that's the same whether you started as a firefighter or you've come in sort of as a civilian. Somebody had done a thesis on accelerant detection dogs and I, th I think it's the dogs that most people fall in love with to start with. Every time we take them on a community event or you go out, there's everybody flocks to the dogs because they have these really cute little boots. And, amazing. Um, I love that, that the boots are their kind of cue to, right, I'm working now. And, it, you know, it's fantastic what they're trained to do. I think they're trained to something like 15 or 20 different accelerants and they can indicate on an accelerant and then indicate what the likelihood of which one sort of will be. So it's an interesting field. Definitely. Do. And someone's put fire investigation sounds interesting. It's fascinating. So... We do, um, there's a couple of courses that I've done. So I've seen it for real, like in a real, for real, but obviously we, we do courses. So they have, I think you can see it in the video. So they have like shipping containers and they'll put bedroom furniture in there. So you'll have all living room furniture. So I have a couple of sofas, maybe like a bed bed. So they're really set up as a real scene. They'll set fire to it for real. They'll close the doors on it. They'll let it burn and it completely literally completely burns to a cinder so you open the doors again and everything's black you couldn't even tell where the sofa where the bed was because it's completely gone and you'd look in there and i'd look in there and go oh, you can't how could you possibly tell what's happening there the dogs can indicate if they've used fuel and also the fire investigators without even the dogs involved can tell you where the fire started how it started they can see if there's any anything suspicious in there at all and it's amazing what you, and you can still find bits of lighter they found match um like matchbox boxes before because they haven't been completely destroyed in the fire it's absolutely insane what they can do and their training is brilliant the, the guys and girls are fantastic so definitely if you wanted to come in as a firefighter and look at that as somewhere to go or if you're thinking maybe actually there are roads to go to be a fire investigator without coming in as a firefighter definitely a really fascinating job role So any more questions on fire investigation at all? We'll move on to our fourth one. Okay. And then we can put the fourth one up. So this is the last video. 
So okay. this is a lady from our Training and Development Academy. So we're looking at showing just how diverse the roles within the fire service can be and how we need all these roles to kind of support the operational side of it. My name is Beth Anderson and I'm a Learning and Development Support Coordinator. For me, my job role is specifically kind of with the trainees, um, which is really awesome to do because they're a great bunch and so you can get so much out of it. Um, I also coordinate animal rescue courses, water rescue courses, um, Mod A and Mod D, which is like a basic training for retained and then an RTC course, so it's all really good fun. Everyone who's retained and like whole time, obviously, they go through the courses and it's seeing those people grow. And it, it is really great to see, you know, they, if they finish their course and they've done really well and you just know that they've achieved something and it's just exciting to see. It is really nice. It's really awesome to be able to go out and join in with the trainees in some sense. So they do like a moulage parts where um, I've played like a distressed mum, I've been involved in a car accident and they've had to get me out. Um, I've hit somebody in a car and been freaking out about that. Um, just all sorts so they can perform their skills on me and also it's quite cool just to be a part of. The first kind of day you can tell that they're obviously nervous, they're going to have a lot to learn and they kind of know, hi, hi, kind of thing. And then now we are, I think, week 16 and they they have just grown so much and they're all really friendly and really lovely and, you know, they make fun of me and I'll make fun of them. And <laughs> I think when after they do their BA section of the course, um, it's really, it is really, really tough and I think like even they gain certain confidence and, it, and you can feel quite proud, yeah, because they, they've all smashed it, they're all doing really well and they're, they're our future firefighters, so, yeah. So when I was working, the, my watch manager then, he came in and put a flyer up saying that they were looking for on-call firefighters and it was always something I wanted to do, but I didn't quite understand the whole on-call, I thought at all stations the whole time. Um, so I got involved and although I was really nervous, uh, I just managed to keep going through it, get past all the tests and the physical stuff, really improved my fitness because I was a little bit, you know, um, cosy, that's <laughs> the best way to put it. I saw this come up in the routine notice and I thought, you know what, I really want to change. I thought it'd be really exciting to work in the training kind of department things and uh, yeah, I've got there and I've not looked back, I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, ultimately one day I didn't want to be a firefighter but this job was absolutely great. So yeah with the office being in the admin team the ladies there are all really nice and friendly and we have a really good laugh it's just quite nice to can kind of have a little bit of a catch up with each other listen to some music and just crack on with work so it's a really good environment to work in but I've also got the added bonus of the academy trainers um, and they they are just so funny and they'll get you involved and you should just hear them like discussing things and yeah no and they've always really helped me as well with my own growth and knowledge and they do make me more confident but um yeah they are all together we are an awesome team uh so beth works in our learning and development center uh so a lot of fire services have their own training centers so we need people to obviously facilitate those centres, so we need our, our back staff, so she was talking about our support staff, so where they're, they're not operational, um, but they literally, they are the glue that holds everything together, they make every, all the training courses happen. Um, if you think how much training a firefighter goes through, it's not just your initial kind of like 16-week training course, um, although I know services do different lengths of time. We do continuous training, uh, and then depending on the size of the service that you want to be going into, um, we have thousands of firefighters who need continuous training. 
So to be able to plan that um, and to be able to facilitate that is really a key part of keeping the service going and keeping it all the firefighters, all the competencies up to date. Part of it is the training school watch managers that are training. I want to call them training subs, but I've been in too many years to call them training subs, are watch managers. And they are, they've come from an operational background. So to actually go and teach within the training school, uh, we use operational staff. So once you've gone through your firefighter crew manager, um, you can go up as a watch manager and they will then sort of pick a specialism. It can be anything from uh, RTCs, which are road traffic collisions, into our breathing apparatus. So a lot of them do the hot fire training and our breathing apparatus training. Um, we do a lot of training at the moment around immediate medical uh, attention. So we do IEC training. Uh, so we've got some really, you know, highly qualified staff that can actually keep us on board and, and keep the ball rolling and keep us in the knowledge that we need to have. Training centre is one of those jobs where you have to be quite confident to talk to people, but actually you develop that confidence. And I think some people come from a watch culture where you, you sort of literally just work with the same 15 people, maybe. And then you go up to training school and you're ex you have exposure to, to thousands of different people coming through all the time. Uh, so it's about finding those those qualifications, finding what you really want to do and what your kind of passion is. And as, as you can see from Beth's story, she actually went in as a civilian um, and enjoyed it so much seeing the recruits going through that she then joined as a an on-call or retained firefighter. Um, I think most services have on-call firefighters. So there's sort of generally two sets of watch systems. So you're either whole time, which means that you will go and, and essentially live on the fire station for your set of shifts, or you are, um, they call them on-call or retained, which basically means that you have another role and you respond from home or from your workplace. Uh, so this just means that, that we have the ability to keep more fire engines available throughout the county because you might not need that resource all the time or that resource to be crewed 24 seven, but actually you need uh, that resource in an area. So a lot of countryside areas, a lot of out of town will all be on call firefighters. So they have a pager and they, they kind of turn in and actually from on call perspective, we have quite a few transfers from on call into whole time as well. So it's also quite a nice way to go and experience what it's like to be a firefighter, what it's like to do the role. And then you can kind of see, do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Some people love being on call and don't want to do anything other than be on call, wouldn't want to be a whole-time firefighter. Some people go in and think this is absolutely amazing, but I want more um, and we'll go down the whole-time route. Uh, so there's just so many options available to you. I think in, in any circumstances about, sort of, I think, getting your foot in the door and understanding that it's not just one route. It's not just going to be a firefighter. It is about that kind of diversity and that range of roles that there are within the fire service. Anything to add to it? Have we got any questions? No, I saw a couple of questions about um, some of the other jobs I've just answered on the chat. Beth just said um, about the fire dog handlers. She said, are they all, uh, they all being firefighters? And I just answered back and said, no, they're not. So most of them are, to be honest, but within our service, we do have a couple that have joined, like Lauren. Lauren's been, never been a firefighter. She decided that she wanted to get a fire dog and she went through the right routes, got the right dog, usually like a Spaniel or a Border Collie or a Lab, something like that. And then they have, the dogs have to go away for special fire training and then they can do extra training on station. And then, so we've got a, a guy, he's never been a firefighter, he's a civilian, and he's got a fire dog, Harvey. So they work together within Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. And then someone else just said, if this is what you do, sign me up. And I just said, yeah, it is a, an absolutely amazing job. Um, all, I think it shines through. 
I think hopefully you'll see from the videos that we've just kind of captured that sort of diverse. I mean, there are hundreds of roles in the fire service. So we've just tried to pick sort of four that we thought were quite interesting that are different ways of coming into the service. And I think you can see from the videos how passionate everybody is about their career choice and, and just love it and, and want to be part of this sort of big fire and rescue family. Um, we do have one more thing that I'm going to talk to you all about, and we don't have a video for it, but it is around children and young people. So another sort of avenue that, that the fire service do a lot of work around is most fire and rescue services have children and young people teams. Um, so the size of the teams and the pro type of programs that they run will differ across the country. Uh, so if you're interested in doing something with children and young people, you're probably better to look at your local fire service and have a look at their website and see what they do. But the children and young people's department will do anything from we have education officers. So this is a, sometimes they're called schools teams. So they go into the schools. Uh, and they will deliver education sort of for different key stages. So they do all three key stages, which is, you know, about kids and schools that sort of from very, very little up to sort of secondary school. So they will go in and deliver our key fire safety messages across there. For some services, it's a civilian role, so it's a green book role. And other services that's undertaken by the operational crews that go in and speak to them. Uh, we also have in Hampshire something called our Firewise and Fire Setters team which I was uh, very fortunate to be part of a few years ago. And this is around identifying children and young people who have a sort of an unhealthy fascination with fire or who may need some guidance around fire safety practices within the home. So we did a lot of work with families. Uh, so it's a one-on-one -on -one work, so you're completed by a practitioner. So I trained um, and had a qualification in delivering fire setting identifying fire setting behaviours and then how to deal with young people and we kind of put programmes together completely tailored to that individual. So it could be perhaps that they've been identified at school as setting off the fire alarms or they've been identified in the home if they've had a fire in the home and it's been caused by a child. We can then go and actually talk to that family and talk to that child. And the aim is sort of through games and books and activities, we teach them about fire safety and the consequences of that fire setting behaviour. Uh, so that's a really lovely programme to be part of. Uh, we also work Princess Trust, and I think that's sort of countrywide as well. The Princess Trust is a scheme for unemployed young people, so they're aged between 16 to 25, uh, and the aim is to support them who are people in the most disadvantaged, so they can apply to come on the courses. And you, you have a group, so there might be eight or ten uh, young people, and we take them through a series of events, so they do a lot around confidence building, interview techniques, team building, Programmes involve residential, sort of fundraising, community projects, work experience. So it's essentially trying to put disadvantaged young people back into an environment where they can build confidence, where they can get some experience. So when they want to go um, and maybe look for a job or apply for a job, uh, they do interview practice, interview techniques. Um, I was part of that this year as, a, as an interviewer and we, you know, we did it by, via Zoom. Um, and it just gives the chance for someone to practice. And it's really good and there's also focus on developing their um, their mental health and their resilience and their well-being. Uh, so it's a really good kind of nationally recognised all-round course. One of the other things we do is fire cadets. So within fire cadets, it's a scheme that works with 13 to 17 year olds. And it's sort of along the lines of scouts or guides or army cadets. Um, and they will come on a programme. So once a week, they will come to a fire station. Uh, and they basically do a kind of youth version uh, of training to be a firefighter. So they do skills that we do, that we do hose running, or they do ladder work, they, they get to try on the BA sets and they will do BA work. 
but with that one of the things that they recruit for is fire cadet leads so it's about somebody going that can deliver this and that's actually one of the really good ways uh, to gain lots of experience about the fire service and to be really open in, in terms of going out in the community and some of these are volunteer roles I know that some services will pay people to come in some of them on a volunteer basis uh, some are run by operational staff some are run by the green book staff and it's just that opportunity to really get involved and I think through our children and young people work those people who actually want to apply to be whole-time firefighters it gives them such a breadth of experience and it's such a good course because I think sometimes you, you go for your interview and it's about showing that you can work in the community it's about showing that you have the skills to talk to people it's about showing that you can overcome adversity so whether you are a fire cadet or whether you joined to be a fire cadet lead and it's about learning how learning about yourself but learning how to work with other people so alongside they do some fundraising and social aspects of it uh, they work with their communities and they support the service of so the services or if the fire stations have open days they can ask cadets to come along so it's that chance and that's exposure to the public and it's just so so good for building those skills that you need so i think last year in the last couple of years when we've had um, our intake we've had eight people go through from our children and young team to go on to apply to be whole-time firefighters and they generally do really quite well because they've got that experience and they can give those examples anything i've missed or oh, i think that pretty much covered it someone's just put on the chat that um they can't recommend fire cadets enough best thing they ever did I think what Amy said there, the fact that sort of eight of the, our previous instructors have now gone on to be whole-time firefighters. I know there's a couple, I don't know, maybe three or four on our current recruits course. So there, we have a recruits course at our headquarters in EC at the moment within Hampshire. And I think three or four of those were fire cadet instructors. So it does show how though it builds up some skills and really exposes you to the fire service in such a way that it really helps you when you want to go for to be a firefighter. That's what you still want to do in the long run. A lot, of, a lot of services run a volunteer scheme as well and I think doing some sort of volunteering within the fire service is a great idea because it really does give you that first-hand experience of what it's like to work with the fire service um, and it shows that kind of enthusiasm that you're willing to put yourself out, you're willing to, to go above and beyond the next person to actually get that experience and gain that experience um, and it's really good at making connections as well. I think with most services once you're sort of in in one kind of role then find it it's quite easy to get the support you need to do the next bit um, so if anyone's looking to to do that I think volunteer route is also something that most services will do yeah someone put that on the just as you said that someone put on the chat that volunteering um, for your local service is a really good way of getting experience and I think you probably heard from previous weeks that working within your community is such a massive part of what we do um, actually going to fires RTCs etc is a a really really tiny part of what we do and the biggest part of what we do is going to community and working with our communities to make them safer keep them safer and that's what volunteers do they'll go into people's homes um, to do safe and well visits they'll go to fates they'll go to um, into schools etc so you're doing everything that a firefighter does but just not as a firefighter so again you're being exposed to all those skills and um, getting all, all those skills that you wouldn't necessarily have got without just volunteering and you know you can do a couple of hours a week it doesn't have to be you know be a whole day or whatever it's just whatever you can give really so someone said do you know if they've got any roles at Basingstoke fire station um I don't know is it is my is the answer probably it's all, all whole time fire station fire stations within Hampshire take volunteers so what I would do is go to our go to our homepage. you can 
um, like inquire so ask a question about something and ask that question and they will get back to you they're really good at monitoring anything that goes on our website so go on there and ask the question and see what they say but i would say probably so we have a couple of minutes do you have any questions you're welcome um any questions from anybody at all about anything so once you qualify for a full-time firefighter what's the time scale for being to sign up to go overseas incidents so we have so a lot of services have they're called USAR so the urban search and rescue team and they are not all services have them so just certain services around the country have a USAR team and we do they're sort of changed slightly now but we do in Hampshire and you uh, the way it used to work was you would be a firefighter and you could then put your name forward and say you want to join USAR as well there'd be an application process because so many people want to do that particular job role if you're successful you'd be within the USAR team as well as in your your whole time job as well and there are some people that just do USAR so it's kind of a mixture and then obviously they will go to overseas disasters so if something happens like I know they went to Japan I think didn't they when there were some earthquakes in Japan yeah. I think they went to New Zealand when they had their natural disasters as well so the countries will basically call upon them so like New Zealand put out and said right we really need some help here and then any country which obviously we did who can send firefighters or send anyone who works within that kind of era send their send their guys out there um, and they'll go and help out there isn't a time scale so what they will want you to do as a firefighter you join up and you're always on on like a development program so they want you to do a development program first before you really start doing anything else so before you start for example becoming an instructor or doing your driving they want you to complete your drive your development program first which takes about 18 months to two years i think some people do it in 12 months but it's usually about 18 months to 24 months to complete your development and then sort of your world's your ice oyster you can then you know if you want to apply for USAR, if you want to apply for specialists, um, we've got specialist technical rescue teams, um, etc. There's loads of places you can go. I'm just questioning the chat. So there's a firefighter wants to move away from their assigned station, are they able to transfer? Um, that's kind of a bit of a slight cross-purpose there, Angela, because if you stay within your within your service, so if Hampshire and Isle of Wight firefighter is within, so I can work in Southampton, um, I can apply to go and work at Basingstoke. So I put in an internal transfer. So you can move between fire stations within your brigade or within your service. If you want to move into another service, there is a transfer process for taking uh, firefighters and crew managers um, to like a direct transfer process. But again, it's very dependent on your service. You will need to go and ask them. I mean, we, we do move around uh, within our services quite a lot. Um, some people get on one watch and they stay on that watch and they do their 25 year career on that single watch. Um, other people move around. It depends whether you're going for promotion. Most of the time when you move up through the promotion ladder, you're moving fire stations because there aren't the roles within that particular station. Um, and actually, it's, it's thought to be really good experience to go and work at the station because although we all do the same thing, we all actually do it quite differently. Um, so it's, it's very much dependent on the station that you're in. So it's about getting that kind of broad experience. Um, and I'd say certainly if you're moving internally, it's a fairly simple process of, of basically doing an application to move fire stations. Uh, and if you're going to a different service, uh, a lot of them are, will either do a, a direct transfer or when they do their open um, open recruitment, they will have a certain percentage that, that they will look for transfers between services. So always go, <laughs> always go for the advice from the horse's mouth. Go to the service that you'd like to join and ask them because everybody is completely different someone's put on here about um i think it was in reference to jack's You're question, welcome. 
um, yeah, you're welcome, Zona Wars. Um, they put on a bit, they asked um, a local lady who works, um, somebody who works at the local shop and they gave um, this person volunteers at the shop and this lady gave them a great reference. I just wanted to quickly say, so I volunteered, when I wanted to join the fire service, I did everything I could to get in. Um, and I volunteered um, at a local charity shop. So I used to do every Friday afternoon working in the local charity shop. Um, I also volunteered at school, which is probably not quite so easy now, but um, I used to read to kids. So I used to go into like a young a young year and the kids used to read to me, all volunteer. Um, and it was all, I mean, I loved it anyway. It was really good fun. But for me, it was all like a means to an end. I wanted to have something that I could put on my application form or I could use in an interview. So if they asked me about what have you done about working in the community, I was like, well, actually, I've done some great stuff. Um, and not only did I love it, it also potentially brings up some really good references for you. But also you've got some fantastic things that you can put um, in an interview on an application form that will put you head and shoulders above other people because you've gone out of your way to do something for your community for free. And as we've all said, I'm sure the sessions have said, working in your community is the biggest part of our job. That's what we, we get, we, our wages are paid for by the public. We're here to keep the public safe and to educate the public. Um, so if, you, if you're doing that already without being a firefighter, then that really, really puts you in good stead for um, any form of interview process as well. Thank you so okay. much for coming, everybody. I really appreciate your time. And um, hopefully we've helped a little bit in some way. And hopefully we've taught you, well, helped to educate you guys a little bit, taught you something that maybe you didn't know. And hopefully see you next week. Because we'll, I'll probably be dialing in next week and see you guys then. Yeah, so there will be, there's two more sessions. This is week four. So I believe you've got week five and six. One of them is fitness. Come and watch both of them. Fitness is something that uh, we can all work towards. Um, and it's not that scary sort of big elephant in the room. It is like, okay, we don't have to be superhuman. We just have to be fit. And, and there's a very big difference between the, the kind of the pictures you see of, of these six foot strapping male firefighters carrying someone over their shoulder and the reality of what a firefighter actually does. So don't be scared by it. It is something we can work on. Um, and the, the ladies doing the fitness are, are great at all that kind of advice. I'm sure there's going to be loads and loads of questions there. Right. Nice to meet you all. Good luck for all you guys doing your interviews. Best of luck. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Women in the Fire Service podcast. We hope we've revealed many different facets to life in the fire family and that you've been inspired to take the next steps on your path to your dream career. In our next episode, we talk about fitness and strength and smash some of the myths about what's really needed. Want regular news from Women in the Fire Service in your inbox? Subscribe at wfs.org.uk. And remember, there's no such thing as a typical firefighter.